Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. Hey everybody, uh, the older I get, the more I think uh, that I come to this realization that shortcuts only get you one place. They get you the exact place that you didn't wind, want to wind up at. Uh, how many of you have gone kind of cheap on buying something only to find out that you'd have been better off in the long run paying the big bucks right off the bat? Here's a list of things that I put together, just really quickly, of things that I've learned that are better off not going cheap on. Batteries. Dollar store batteries are sold at the dollar store for a reason. Don't do it. You're going to spend more money in the long run. Uh, running shoes. Now, I used to buy cheap running shoes, and I didn't know any better. Uh, and then I had a knee surgery, a couple knee surgeries, and I decided to spend some good money on shoes. And now there's absolutely no way that I can go back. Toilet paper. People, if I go to your house and you've got one ply toilet paper, there's a good chance that I'm going to use your Kleenex. I don't care if it clogs up your whole system. This is super important. One ply is from the devil. If 180 grit sandpaper would feel better than your toilet paper, you've got a problem. And let's just go ahead and just throw paper towels in the list too. If they don't rip off the roll well, I start throwing things. Another one is furniture. Crystal and I, we got... We got some chairs this year for around the dining room table. Uh, we we kind of went on the cheap route, I think, on Amazon or wherever it was. And the screws are falling out of the chair. And when you move in the chair, uh, the chair makes sounds that make it seem like you're passing gas. It's a terribly embarrassing thing when company comes over, especially because I make them sit in those chairs and I take something better to sit in. All right. Now, all that being said, if you want the best, you're usually going to have to pay for it. And that doesn't just go for the things in our houses. I think there's actually some spiritual application to this idea. Now, don't get me wrong. Salvation is God's doing all the way. Jesus died for us, and he saves us by his grace. But salvation doesn't necessarily always lead to spiritual health. There are plenty of people walking around who are saved by the grace of Jesus, but it's like they're trying to get into heaven living on dollar store batteries rather than getting the best that they can. The fact is this, God promises that we can have amazing abundance in our lives and in our spiritual well-being, but how do we get that abundance? The eye test tells me that not a lot of Christians are always feeling that abundance. So many of us are feeling like we're barely getting by, and I'm not just talking about a financial thing here. I'm talking about soul deep, this soul deep spiritual thing. Uh, frankly, if you're feeling abundance in your soul, you're probably going to feel abundance everywhere else in life. And if you're not feeling abundant in your soul, you're probably feeling like you're lacking in other places. We want the abundant life, but how do we actually get it? And there's this story of a, of a young rich man in Jesus' world who essentially asked Jesus, what is the bare minimum that I have to do to get, to, to get what I want, which is eternal life? And Jesus' answer, I think, is a profound answer of what it takes to experience this tremendous abundance that we're all looking for. So this story comes out of Mark chapter 10. It's verses 17 through 22. It says, As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. 
No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Uh, Honor your father and mother. And teacher, this young man declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go, sell everything that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Now, let's just all be a little real. When it comes to this story, we hate this story. Okay, maybe you're better than me, uh, but I hate this story. This story has scared the life out of me for my whole Christian upbringing. The idea that Jesus would ask me to go and sell everything that I have and then give the money to the poor. Yeah, like that's just a terrifying thought for a kid growing up reading this story. And let's be honest, my heart, my heart rate skips a few beats faster even today when I read this story. For anyone who wants an abundant life, for any of us who want to have as much as we can and enjoy the riches of both this world and the next, this is actually a hard teaching. The question that we have to ask ourselves as we look at this story is, do I want abundance more than I want Jesus? That's really what Jesus was trying to get at with this rich young man. He knew that this young man loved his stuff more than he loved Jesus. He knew that worldly abundance was really this young man's idol. Now, if you want real abundance, Jesus needs to become your deepest desire. And there's some things that I think that we can kind of pull from this story that are going to help us to get to that place. It doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect at it. Sometimes you are, like, your sin-filled heart is going to desire something in this world more than you desire Jesus. But this story can remind us how to get back to making Jesus our priority. God promises us some awesome promises when he is the thing that we are most after. So what does the story of the rich young man actually tell us? The first thing is this. Uh, My resources aren't just meant for my abundance. Again, I am not by nature, I'm not a sharer. When I was a kid, almost all my money got spent on baseball cards. And then I would trade cards with friends. And I'm telling you, I was shrewd. I wasn't going to make a trade unless it was completely in my favor. And even now, sharing is really difficult. I've got this one little bin in one of my kitchen cupboards. And my kids know that if they, if they go in that bin without asking me, they're going to be missing a hand if I find out. It is my stash. It's where I keep all my dark chocolate. Uh, it's where I keep my good, really good licorice. It's all the good stuff. It's the stuff that I would never pay for my kids to get to enjoy. Only me. And sometimes my kids ask if they can have something from my bin. And I unapologetically tell them no, almost all the time. I don't even feel bad about it. Even while I'm preaching a message about giving away the things that you have to the poor, I don't feel bad about hoarding my chocolate. Like That's how far down the selfish train that I've gone. Uh, But then sometimes my wife, she'll give me that look. That look that says, you better give those kids some of your chocolate or I'm going to think less of you. And that usually does the trick. Now, can I, can I just tell you this? this? This story is not easy for me to read, this story about the rich young man. By nature, I like my resources to be for me, not for other people. Now, tithing is something that I don't have a prob- problem with. I grew up being taught that the first 10% of what you make goes back to God. I'm okay with that because 
It's just kind of what I've always known and done. And frankly, it seems fair. God gave me what I have and I should give back some of that to him without any problem. So I'm not saying this story is difficult for me on a tithing basis, but when it comes to using my resources to give to others, generally speaking, it's just a tough one. Here's the thing I think that we need to understand. We want to be blessed, but we're also expected to be a blessing. There's just no way around it. I want you to listen to verse 21 again. It says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. We need to realize that stewardship and generosity are not simply tools for our own blessing. They're actually the very tools that God put in place for blessing the people around you. Think about that. Like, that's a really different way of thinking about things than we probably do most of the time. Uh, God has blessed you so that you can bless others. No matter whether you have the blessing of money or of intellect or of joy, whatever that thing is that you have much blessing in, you're meant to give it to other people. Why are you meant to be a blessing out of what you've been blessed with? In part, it's so that your blessing doesn't become the thing that actually keeps you from God. You know, because so often, what we're gifted in or what we're blessed in, that's actually the thing that be can become our holdup. You're intellectually brilliant. You're probably going to be tempted to believe that you are God's gift to the world. And instead of using your intellect to help, you might use it to puff yourself up. Your intellect can become your God. Uh, you're physically gifted in athletics. Instead of using your gift to honor God uh, and to bring joy to those who watch you, uh, your gift becomes your idol. Your gift becomes the thing that serves your ego rather than using it to serve God's greater purpose for you. Now, this isn't just about money. If you want God to bless you in any way, know that good stewardship means using that blessing to turn around and bless others. But let's be honest about it. There's there's probably no greater test for us than the test of holding loosely onto our money. It's hard to be financially generous people. Uh, part of it is our need for accumulation depletes our ability to be generous people. We want so much stuff. It's interesting to think that if followers of Jesus were as generous as we could be, this world would probably be a lot better off. There would be so much less need for government programs to keep people afloat. Now, I'm, I'm guilty of being one who will complain at times that our government throws around money too much at different programs. But I want you to think about this. It is hard for us to complain about the government giving out too much money if we haven't done our share to be a resource to other people. <laughs> we need to be that resource first. We talk about it quite a bit about how often life in the kingdom of God is like living in this upside down world. It seems like the outcomes of living to follow Jesus actually go in the opposite way of, of what you'd think they'd go. It means seeing our blessing as a way to bless others. And in blessing others, we find that we actually become even more blessed than we were before. Uh, listen to what Psalm 112.5 says. Good comes to those who lend money generously and conduct their business fairly. Now, I want you to please note here, it did not say that riches comes to those who lend generously and are fair. It says that Good comes to those who are generous and fair. God promises that, you, that good will come from seeing your blessings as a way to bless other people. That's a done deal, period. Like you are going to be better off finding ways to be a blessing. 
And that's a great promise. Now, here's something else I think that you see in this story that, that God is trying to show us. The second thing is getting the blesser is better than getting the blessing. Uh, that's something that, that my boss, Eric, said while we were talking through this sermon. I really liked it. Um, it. It sounds at first glance like what Jesus asks this young man to do is a very difficult thing to do. He told him to sell everything and then give it to the poor. But then what did he say he would get to do? Read verse 21 one more time. Go, sell everything that you have and give to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven. And then it says, then come, follow me. Now, did you catch that? This young man would get to follow Jesus around. He'd get to be in Jesus' posse. He'd be buddies with Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. I think that'd be pretty cool. What would you be willing to give, to give up to get to be a close friend with someone that you admire, or might I say even somebody that you idolize. You know, when I was a kid, if Michael Jordan asked me to sell all my baseball cards and then give the money away to the poor, and, and then I'd be able to follow Michael Jordan around, do you think I'd have done that? Heck to the yes, I'd have done that. With, <laughs> I'd, I'd do that today. But I was always afraid that I, what am I gonna have to do for Jesus? Like, would I, would I, is Jesus gonna ask me to do that? And get this, our treasures that we obsess over one day, eventually, they give way to the reality of how valuable they actually are. All those cards that I got that I would have been afraid to give up for Jesus, I still have a bunch of them. But I also gave away a bunch of them to this kid in our church named Easton. And I think he kept a lot of it and then he burned what he didn't want. And you know what? I don't even care. There is nothing more valuable than following Jesus. Everything takes a backseat to that. And whatever you think now is so valuable that it'd be difficult to give up for Jesus, in the end, you'll realize it was nothing by comparison. Getting the blesser is always going to be better than getting the blessing. Because in, in the blesser, you get a relationship. While getting a blessing, you just get a thing. All Jesus was looking for was the heart of that rich young man. That's all Jesus wanted. And had he gotten his heart, Jesus would have made it more than worthwhile. See, true blessing happens when God has your whole heart. It'd be a real mistake if you read this story and you thought that Jesus had a thing against money. Jesus didn't care that this young man had a lot of money. That wasn't the problem. No, you see, the problem was not his money. It wasn't, that wasn't the issue. It was that he held his money so tightly and so dearly to his chest, to his heart, and it, he made it an idol. He made an idol of his wealth. His money was so important to him, him that nothing else could ever be more important. And that was the problem that this young man had. Jesus wanted to be, and, and frankly, I think he deserves to be, the most important thing in your world. He, he deserved to be the most important thing in this young man's world. Notice when Jesus said uh, that the young man could follow him after he had given his money, after he had let go of that thing that had been his greatest idol. Yeah, it, we might be asked to give up a lot, but we're going to get way more in return. And that's the beauty of Jesus. Whatever you have to give up in order to get him, it's always going to be worth it. Give up your pride to gain Jesus? Yeah, it's going to be worth it every time. Give up your luxuries? If that's what it takes, it's worth it every time. Give up your habits that keep your focus off of Jesus? Yeah, again, it's going to be worth it. Give from my own wealth and let Jesus become my security? 100% yes, 
It's worth it every time. When you open up your hands to give, things just can't become your God. And you're going to get a better abundance than you ever thought possible. You're going to get the one true God. You see, what this young man didn't realize is that he had a greater abundance waiting him on the other side of his seeking heart, his treasure-seeking heart. He had a chance at connection with Jesus, but he thought that his wealth was more important. The best that you can have in this world is always going to include a healthy connection with Jesus. It's possible to have great resources without having a great relationship with Jesus. But we can have a great relationship and still great resources in Jesus. The rich young man, he didn't understand that, that, and so he placed way too much emphasis on his resources versus his relationship with the Lord. Now put it this way, a great relationship with Jesus without great resources is still living in abundance. It's way better than having resources without having Jesus. The rich young dude missed out on what was best. Be careful not to go after the blessings of the world and miss out on the only blessing that trumps them all, which is the blesser himself, Jesus. Now, some people might say that the, the disciples kind of got a raw deal in this whole thing. If you look at Jesus' 12 disciples, they all laid it on the line for Jesus. And in the end, they didn't end up with the blessing that you might consider blessing. They actually all died for following Jesus. They laid it on the line but they weren't looking for blessing like we might think a blessing. They weren't looking for blessing in this world. They got the blessing that they were looking for. And I think they'd probably all agree with this statement. It would be way better to get death and Jesus than to get this world and know Jesus. Now, as we're thinking through stewardship and what that means for us as being givers, I think there's one final thing that we can recognize from this story, and I think it, it might speak more loudly than anything else has spoken to us so far. We're going to look at one more time at verse 21. It says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. And then he said, one thing you lack. Now, I want you to think about this moment. Jesus knew who he was looking at. He knew he was looking at a young man who was so rich and who said that he wanted eternal life, but really he wanted the good life on earth more. Jesus knew all this. And still, what does it say? It says, Jesus looked at him and he loved him. Now check this out because I think it's important to understand as, as we think about God's promises of an abundant life. God's abundance is a gift of his love, not a response to your gifts. God's abundance is a gift of his love to you. And whenever a church talks about stewardship and giving, it's easy to think that it's a business ploy. It's easy to think that it's just a church's way of trying to get people to give so that the church can keep on existing. Can I tell you something? Growing up as a pastor's kid, I rarely have, I, I, I rarely have doubted that God's going to take care of the church. I've really seen God take care of the church in ways that just makes me keep trusting that He is going to continue to do so. Church doesn't have to preach on giving and stewardship so that it can go on existing. God will keep the church existing because that's what he does. Now, you see, the scripture doesn't teach on giving to keep the church financially healthy. Scripture teaches on giving because a giving heart is what makes a follower of Jesus healthy. God doesn't bless you because you're generous. God looks at you and loves you whether you're generous or not, just like this rich young man. Jesus loved him 
even though he couldn't let go of his wealth. But what Jesus could not do for him was make him healthy in his spirit as he was holding on to his money. Uh, That young man needed to let go of what was holding on to his heart, the thing that he was holding on to as the most precious in his life. Only then could Jesus bring health to every part of him. God's abundance is waiting for you. All you have to do is decide that you want nothing more than to follow Jesus. It's at that place that your spirit is made free to enjoy all the abundance that God makes freely available to you in Christ, when Christ is all you desire. I want you to listen to 2 Peter 1.4. It says, And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Generosity is a response to what God has done for me. Tithing isn't a rule required by God's love, for God's love. His love isn't is, isn't not with us if we don't tithe. His love is present without it. Generosity isn't a rule. But without generosity, our desires fall in line with the world's corruption caused by human desires, and it's difficult to find ourselves sharing in this divine nature that Peter is talking about. The purpose of a generous life is for me. It's not against me. I'm pushing in the direction of the life God wants me to live when I push into trusting him over trusting my money. Now, I love how our lead pastor David puts it. He said, Our giving is not based on the results we get, but on the relationship we have with God. When I know that God loves me in spite of me, it makes me want to be generous. As Jesus is generous with me in his grace and mercy, as well as with his resources, how can I not want to become more generous too? I believe this story shows us that Jesus' desire for us is to grow in generosity. You and I grow closer to the heart of Jesus when we grow in our ability to look outside of ourselves and to care for those, the needs of the people around us. So we want to do something over the course of this short series that we're going through right now to help all of us begin to, to take steps in acting out a life of generosity. So over the course of this month, we're going to give you some generosity challenges. And at the end of the month, we're going to, we're going to be asking you to, what step are you willing to make to, to become more of a giver? And taking any step of faith in giving, it, it can be really hard. But there's, it's also like a muscle that we can build. And so this week, what we want you to do is to begin building that muscle a little bit. We want you to see that there is an abundance that happens when you think outside of yourself. So this week, our challenge is for you to do something inside your home uh, or with someone in your close circle of friends that is a true act of generosity. You know, if you always vacuum the living room floor every day, doing that this week doesn't count as your act of generosity. Um, so that's not gonna count for me. I'm, I'm gonna have to do something else for Crystal uh, if I'm gonna do something generous for her this week. Um, but find some way to be generous this week and watch how God chooses to make your life more abundant for it. And after I'm done praying, uh, there's going to be a short video explaining this just a little bit more. Uh, but watch prayer with me. Lord, I thank you so much uh, that you are incredibly generous with us. God, I pray right now uh, as, we, as we go into uh, this week that you'll help us to be generous in, in some way that maybe we wouldn't have in the past. And God, as you, 
as your generosity flows through us. God, I pray that you'd begin to show us just how abundant life is, living it the way that you want us to, living it for other people, not for ourselves. Uh, we love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, before we go to that short video quick, uh, I just want to take a moment for us to go through a, a time of communion. Um, in Matthew 26, uh, Jesus was about to, to eat for the last time with his group of friends called the disciples uh, before he went to the cross. And, and this is what it says. While they were eating, Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take, this, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for, the me for many for the forgiveness of sins. Now, Jesus gave his blood for all of us. Generosity uh, was, was found as Jesus went to the cross, the greatest act of generosity anybody could have ever done for us. And now he's calling us to, to follow him in living a generous life. Now let's, let's again thank him for this, this finest gift that we've been given and, and ask him how he's going to, to help us to continue to live in generosity. Lord, thank you for going to the cross for us. We thank you that you, you shed your body, your blood for us on that cross so that we could be forgiven. I thank you that you are generous in your grace for us. God, help us again. Help us to be generous this week in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.